So a guiding theme on this uh, session together uh, has been uh, using these phrases firm center, open heart. Uh, it's just a, it's kind of an impression, impressionist phrase. But it's really uh, kind of reminding us of what, what the work is. And something that's actually rather attractive to that one thought oh, that would be good if I could be that, you know, firm center, uh, not constantly knocked around by everything, open heart, not closed, shut down, obsessive, but open hearted, fresh, bright, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> quite as easy. <laughs> I do seem to get knocked around a bit. You know, flying and flying on my nose knocking about. <laughs> Not so easy, is it? <laughs> yeah. So a suggestion, you know, like firm center is actually a fluid structure of uh, it's not rigid. You just gotta keep putting energy into what? Into releasing the agitation into gathering up the collectedness, resourcing, and finding there's a place here I can just settle and stop myself reacting to. If I put some, put some, take some energy into soothing, reminding. There's a constant dynamic of steadying under the flows, all these ricochets of, of impingement, disturbance contact, called. Cool. You get patted around. And, uh, and of course, in, in this uh, meditative experience, when we're becoming more sensitive, because we've got less impingement, less things we're doing, less things we're burying ourselves in, actually the disturbance gets proportionally greater in some respects. You know, things you wouldn't have noticed, suddenly you do notice. Uh, move, you know, even minor sounds of people moving around can be disturbing. Uh, it's a problem. You know, when I was wasn't on retreat, <laughs> other things were a problem. You know, so though the you know other things were a problem, like the person with a fire alarm going, the security alarm going off next door at two in the morning, that was a problem. The sound of somebody coughing in the next room wasn't a problem. <laughs> Strange enough, the problematic qualities remained, even though the sense impact has changed. The ability to be disturbed, the property of being disturbable, <laughs> has, has remained. It's just found another, another, another um, uh, degree to which that can occur. And uh, so we look at these things overall. Oh, yeah. So there is disturbance, contact, and you're trying to find a place where there isn't any. <laughs> <laughs> Because, of course, you're totally quiet. There's a ping, 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 is an annoying thought in your brain. What was her name? Doesn't matter. But what was her name? What was it? Who, what, what? Doesn't matter. Forget about it. I'll just, I'll just think this one thought. That'll be enough. <laughs> Did we get those? If I could just remember that. That'll be it. <laughs> so there'll be no more thinking be necessary. Let's get this one last thing figured out. And that, oh, that's great. It reminds me. What about that? <laughs> Now I've got the time, I've got a nice clear space, I could plan out this and that and this and that, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. 
How does it happen? You know? <laughs> this internal disturbance contact, which is the, from the, what's called the mano, manas, the thinking mind. Or the, you know, the, uh, the thinking mind is also considered to be a sense organ like sight, sound, touch. Thinking mind, manas. You know? It surveys the other senses and derives impressions. Oh, she's there, so and so, it's him. Oh, it's tomorrow, it's yesterday, it's where we are. It derives, it translates this world of sense data into internalized conceptual phenomena. Then, bing, 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 they land, they land on the chitta, which is heart. heart. Oh, oh, it's Thursday. Oh, oh, it's tomorrow, we're doing this. Oh, jump, jump, jump. You know, where did that one come from? <laughs> Oh, I forgot to do that. Jump, 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 jump. So this bong, 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 bong. More disturbance. Where does that end? <laughs> uh, and you come to these really. So you know, you just start to keep come down, 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 down. Just down, relax, body, feet, breathing out. What? It's down, breathing out. <laughs> How long would I have to do this for? Just, just relax. <laughs> I can't do this. Just relax, relax. I'm no good at it. Just, just take it easy. Just one out breath, all you need. This is supposed to get me alive. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Can lay people do it? No, just relax. <laughs> What's going on here? You know, it's this kind of potential, always seeking disturbance. Why do I do that? Nobody's bothering me. Arnie flies on my nose this morning. What is it? It's a habit. And because in and the funny thing is that there's something about that habit that is very... Uh, it's where I get born. Here I am, dealing with this and that and figuring this out and thinking about that and being bothered by that and remembering that and feeling really happy about that and... And there I am, in the middle of it. Yeah. And this is called a latent tendency, it's a proclivity. Everything inclines towards how can a self be formed. <laughs> so I can remember something. I don't like that memory, it's really painful. Why do I keep remembering it? Well, I don't remember it. What happens is the tendency is there, like a... Um, like a magnetic formation that gradually attracts phenomena that have not been resolved, presents them. These not been resolved, they're still kind of trembling in the chitta, they're still trembling from the shock effect. That trembling, the thinking mind's right, as that pulls it in. And here I am, in the middle of it again. But that was that was three years ago. Doesn't feel like it now. So, this attractor, it's called anutsaya, latent tendency, attracts phenomena that have not been resolved. The latent tendency. If it was really in the past, it's past, isn't it? But it's not in the past, it's in the chitta. Right? It's in the heart. It's not in the past, it's in the heart. The heart is still, you know, contracted or disturbed or trembling from that impact. Even though 
that one event happened three years ago it was unpleasant but there have been a thousand other events that happened since that I can't even remember you know there was doing the washing up not a problem there was you know cleaning up the room not a problem there was having a cup of tea with so and so not a problem but that event happened three years ago because there was no resonance in the others this is called um, you know, vipaka, that is where the mind has been decisively engaged, decisively engaged. Yeah. Then the, 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 uh, a kind of tremble or a pattern in the field of mind has been established, rather like a, you know, like a, a, seat, uh, like a certain you know, force field, electric force, magnetic field. So the things are attracted to that. Energy runs down into that, and the whole thing flares up again. And there I am, in the middle of it again. Mm-hmm. So there's both the, um, yeah, and of course, there have been painful events, and there have been lovely events, and there have been things we wish you'd done another way, and all that's in a way that's true. And yet why is it now? Why is it happening now? Why is it here now? Because the resonance, there are two, the resonance in the heart has not been released yet, not been allowed to move on, not knew how to move on, didn't know how to release. Particularly with shock impressions, what happens is the heart contracts. It doesn't really know how to uncontract, doesn't know how to do it. This is our. So a lot of our training is just to be able to just do that gesture of breathing out, uncontracting, breathing out, breathing out, breathing out. Of course, as you do uncontract, then even more residual material comes up that has not been released that needs also searches for that release. So this, these practices, one area of practice is just this sort of smoothing out the energetic fields which is probably not the sort of language you see written in the you know mail and guardian or whatever it is or the local paper (laughs) (laughs) buddhist jargon but when you get down to the experience you know oh i see what you mean it's that sort of trembly vibrant jumpy quality of that yeah and that jumpy quality i feel in my fingers or my my body, yeah, and that jumpy, agitated, panicky thing. Oh, yeah, that's an yeah, there's energy there. Well, I'm saying that's that's the energetic field, yeah, and it has a bodily aspect to it. We can feel it in our bodies when we get tense or jumpy or stressful or feel other. Alternatively, feel really heavy and stagnant and locked. You know, there's an energy that's contracted or agitated. And then we have it, we can also see its, its heart aspect. We get pretty fired up about something, really buzzy about something, we get excited about something, we get really spacious. So that what happens, it, the heart energy shifts from different from high gearing, very intense, soothing, nice, pleasant waves, modulated energy, and then spasms again, yeah? then slumps again. So that's an energetic field. So one aspect of practice is just smoothing out these energetic fields. The energetic field of mind, of manas, 
is the thinking capacity, which you know, jumps and spurts and starts and blurts and goes backwards and forwards and isn't really coherent. And you're smoothing it with steady, slow thought to the end of it. You know? Mantra, for example, chanting, slowing it down, thinking things through slowly, simple things that in a way have no point to them except to act as uh, something you can deliberately do. You can deliberately think slowly, and although that, in terms of the thought, that's not very significant, but in terms of the energetic field, that's quite a significant thing to do. Because the energetic field of the thought, of the thinking mind, is smoothed out. If that's smoothed out, there's a much greater chance that the other aspects of the energetic field will pick up that same signal. The body smooths out and the heart smooths out. So this, this is the work we do. Um, as we've said before, once again, to touch into it again, breathing <coughs> in and out helps to smooth out the energetic field in the body, or the bodily energetic field is actually in the body, but uh, embodiment is the experience of this embodied energetic field in which we feel various forms of physical, what we call physical experience. There's no such thing as physical experience. All experiences, heart experience, it's just some experiences interpreted as physical. Right? What you experience is feeling, right? Yeah. Is feeling physical or mental or what? Feeling is not a physical experience, is it? It's not a lump, it's not a lump, it's a jang, it's a zang, it's a buzz, it's a whir, it's a surge. That's right? that's not physical. We can attribute it to a physical experience, but experience is not material at all. It's energetic. The raw, the raw material <coughs> of life is energetic. Various kinds, coarse or refined. So once we, you know, and you begin to uh, really trust and return again and again to how soothing any of these any any aspect of the field will help to soothe some aspect of the rest of it because once that signal comes across then the whole and the field will tend to or the whole all the dimensions of the energetic field will tend to soothe provided of course as we do in meditation is you connect the aspects yeah so you actually feel your thoughts and you're aware of your body you feel your emotions and you're aware of your body as you move around you stay okay think what you like but make sure you stay in your body and you feel that sense of a breathing and out sentient sensitivities energies happening how can you do both how can you well, you're not say being aware of your body. It might so be in your limb or your ankle or your nose or whatever, but that sense of substance, substantial presence. Right? Can you get that? What embodiment experiences experience that? You might get it down to one word, which is here. Here, because embodiment gives you a location. 
So you say the word here and really get the sense of that here. That will take you into the embodiment field. (laughs) Check it out, investigate it. (laughs) Because the mind has no here to it. It's always it's always it's an active experience. It doesn't have got a location, the mind has no location, no fixed location in it. It positions itself in views, opinions, ideas and so forth, but those locations are never here. They're always something we build. We build. The presence, the bodily presence, you don't build it, it's established at birth. That's why it is a refuge. Just keep returning to that because you don't build this one. You build a mental location. That's my opinion. <laughs> you build a mental location. I am this. You build it. And it breaks down. But bodily location you don't build. It happens. You birth. So, okay, let's use this. Here I am. There's a thinking going on. Pushing, urges, wishes, resistances. Um, you know, sort of emphasize the here-ness. Really feeling fed up here. It's not the room, it's right here. And you've got some foundation from which you could experience feeling fed up, not denying that. But the here-ness will just help to prevent more energy going into that mood, that emotion. That's not denying the emotion or finding fault, but it's just don't need any why you don't want to contribute more energy to it. And as you develop the here-ness more and more, the energy of that mood begins to drain into we call embodiment. And I've mentioned this before, rephrase it, but it's uh, a very useful practice because all our emotions arise from this causal field, this energetic field, and the most fundamental uh, location of that is is embodiment. That's the place where the mental aspects can drain, drain away. And so it's refreshing if you can if you can train yourself to do that. And these are ways in which we smooth the energetic field and use the energetic field an aspect of it to help to drain the in, the imbalances, the agitations, the stresses, the the mental disturbances. So the body helps to soothe the mind. The body receives the mind. The body can receive the emotions. It can soothe and steady the emotions. By body, I don't mean knees and chin, although that's, you know, <laughs> you can refer to that if you like, but I really mean the energetic quality of the body can receive the energetic qualities of the heart and steady them and allow them to drain or subside. In this way the body provides a release place for the heart. It helps the heart to complete its conversation its rage, its 
fear, it's been moaning, it's complaining and so forth, it helps it to complete it rather than stifle it. So then you see what's happening. Certainly you could say, oh that's funny, it's a kind of widening, isn't it, to do that. If you really fathom that process, something widens to do that. This is an interesting recognition. Instead of because as quite you can quite see quite distinctly, when I get grabbed by something, I don't see this because normally I'm in the topic. But if I am more dispassionate about the topic, I might see my something contracts. Yeah. Something seems to contract onto a topic and then go into it, get buried in it. And if there can be conversely a sort of a widening, something seems to widen. The topic is there, but I'm in something something bigger space, and the topic begins to lose its energy. That's interesting. This is not because I've had some kind of, you know, negative opinion about the topic, but just because I've widened. In fact, having a negative opinion about it won't do any good at all. Because fundamentally, the contracting has not changed. Just put some more, t- more material on top of the old material. So me not liking myself is not going to do any work, anything good at all. <laughs> me complaining about myself does not change it at all. It just adds more material to the same contraction. Because that's a contraction in the energetic field. And if we begin to get this sense that the widening of the energetic field will not be negation, it will be approval, it will not be adopting, it will not be denying that event existed, it will just be widening. For the sake of widening, let it do what it wants. And it will go... (laughs) And we keep that, you know. And naturally these qualities of goodwill and so forth are... Emotional supports for that means means you can be pre- what these really come down to the opening of the heart of goodwill and then just these qualities of things like compassion for example just means when that sense of something really wants to contract in terms of pain or sorrow see if you can just hold it open oh no no just hold it open a little bit longer. Oh, and there's something else, an energetic quality we call compassion arises in the heart field and oh yeah, that's, oh I've forgiven him, well, not because I like him but just that quality I pulled the arrow out of my heart or something has, I've come out of the contraction took quite a while to get round to that because the topic was so inflammatory I couldn't not grab it it so dazzled me that I just couldn't widen around it so sometimes these things do take time to be able to widen around but and what I'm suggesting I know it's not that easy is in that <laughs> That widening of the field, this is what we call open heart. <laughs> Sounds great, you try it. There's <laughs> 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 a sense, of, you know, you're, you're firming up your hearness, 
okay, there's nowhere else to go, I could run a thousand miles, I'll still have this thing going on. So, okay, here's where we sit and stand, you know. Yeah, uh, you're firming up that, even though it's a kind of fluid quality, because, yeah, you can flex and move around, but you're staying in the, in the territory of your karma, of your experience, and opening. And, and then this is the widening. And then it's often uh, at the heart level uh, equated with these qualities called the measureless abidings, where the heart becomes exalted, abundant. The great chitta is called the maha chitta because it feels like it. And strangely enough, in just in the act of widening, there's an instinctive or unforced response that some sweet quality starts to suffuse. And Oh. Not only had that arrow gone out of my heart, but it's something rather beautiful has moved in. Not because I pulled it in, because that's the nature of it. In that widening, the beauty of the heart is experienced, because the wide heart is beautiful. You don't make it so, you don't build it so, you don't tell it to be so. The wide heart is beautiful, and it feels beautiful. And, uh, you know, our, our reminder is, you know, he hurt me, she betrayed me, he let me down, they failed me, they never did this to me. He, yes, true. Yes, true. You have every reason in the world to contract around that. But do you want to keep suffering or not? <laughs> and you have a choice. It's not easy. But you have a choice. You could possibly feel it in your body because that's the easiest place to do it. And start widening your awareness of your whole body. And you feel these turbulences arising and just keep adding that sense of I receive, I uh, am receptive to that, I am accepting of that. I don't like it but I can accept it. I can accept the presence of this turbulent, fiery or miserable state. And really this is so helpful when we begin to resonate these, these Dharma teachings like this is not self, feels like me, but if I can witness it, what am I, the witness or the witness? I can't be both. This is a fundamental Dharma recognition. If I can witness my emotions, well, I can't be them at the same time, can I? You know, they're either. So the fact that we can actually get some perspective on it gives us a little bit of a toehold on a sense of dispassion. Witnessing it, and then can I remain with that and just resist the, that very powerful inclination to, to contract around it? And we may not even recognize it because we think, I'm, I'm sorting it out. I'm not controlling, I'm just sorting out. So I'm just deciding what I should have done. <laughs> yeah. But what happened? Can you feel that sense of contracting? Not contracting, I'm just, just got to sort this out, then I'll go back to being wide again. <laughs> I just got to find out who was right and who was wrong. And I'm going to figure out how to make sure it happens again. And I'll, this time I'll rehearse what I'm really going to say to him to make sure he doesn't do that again. And I'm going to set him straight. <laughs>
Once I've done that, I'll get to be wide open again. <laughs> um, it doesn't quite work like that, you know. <laughs> because if you do that, you may go wide open again, but sooner or later you come back to... That reminds me, another thing I'm going to tell you is this. <laughs> you go back to the same pattern, because it hasn't been released yet. Just because you, know, you kind of put it on pause by putting some mental fodder on it, it doesn't mean it's been released. It's released when you just... The end of the tribunal, the end of the right and wrong, the end of fairness and justice. Wow, that's a difficult place. Yeah, but right at the end of that is the end of me. Yeah. That sounds eerie, doesn't it? This is the end of the mind, the end of the measuring, the end of the taking account. What is it? There is dukkha. Dukkha hurts the heart. Everybody gets this. Wow. Everybody gets this. Ooh. <sighs> so these realizations come down to such embarrassingly small phrases, you think. Doesn't seem to do it. No, of course, the word comes, the phrase comes later. The opening takes the work and to stay open against the justifications and the right and the deserve and the ought to and never and always and why me? Why did it happen to me? Why do I always get this? All that very reasonable stuff just to keep opening against that push. Because just simply for the fact that you follow that push, you will not get to the end of suffering. I promise you, check it out for yourself. If you want to end suffering, you do this. And you don't just get rid of something, you also get a big gain, because what you gained is you begin to receive the beauty of your heart rather than the calculations of your brain. And you receive the beauty of your heart. Maybe the suffering was worthwhile if you took me to this. And if it's encouraged me to learn this, this skill of opening, maybe that was a, a tough lesson I had to learn, a bit of tough love that forced me to be open. Because, yeah. And, you know, really. And you certainly when you look into some of these accounts of people who've practiced, well, some of the suffering was horrific. Yeah. But it forced them, you, you know, because if you go into that, you're going to go crazy. You're going to go crazy with grief or rage or despair. It's just so intense, you've just got to open. And there's a kind of tough, tough justice about that because it tends to take you to a place of, you know, there is dukkha. And what's occurred is through this we've begun to open the energetic field and, and, and feel the benefit of that open field. This is the open heart. Then the firmness of center is, say, we start off with a bodily firmness, the here presence, and then it begins the firmness of resolution. Stay with it. Stay with it. 
don't ask that question. Stay with it. Why? Don't ask that question. Why? Just stay with it. What's the point? Don't ask that question. What's the point of it? Just stay with it. <laughs> ask those questions. It will take you away from it. Just stay with it. This is not a rational decision. <laughs> stay with it. That's all. Because you can't get away from it, essentially. That's why you stay with it. You could say, if I got away from this annoying person, I'd be all right. No, you wouldn't. You find another one. <laughs> For sure. Because <laughs> that's what happens, isn't it? You know. Your witness is so so become so apparent, you know. Because somebody had a bad time with this person, that piece of feeling, you know, I don't know, some relationship where they were bossed around, pushed around. My mother pushed me around and bossed me around and dominating women drive me nuts. Bossy women drive me nuts. So I'm getting out of her, getting away from her. Silly old bag, I'm getting out of my life, you know, I'm doing my own thing. Find a job, getting a job. And there's this funny little secretary there, quite a nice woman. She's bossing me around. <laughs> I wonder how that happened. <laughs> it's my mother again. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> Strange that, and you went somewhere else, there's another one. <laughs> I wonder where that is. <laughs> It's like we're a wound looking for an arrow. Is <laughs> there any arrows around here? Well, you'll do. Please come in here. <laughs> you see the characteristics that remind you of your pain and you contract around that and you gradually build a person around it. And most of us can manifest bossy attributes or, you know, all kinds of things, but it doesn't mean that. But you see this archetypal quality to it. After a while, you begin this eerie realization. Hey, this happens everywhere I go. This is kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> As years go by, it's still happening. And you get this realization that jitta doesn't move in terms of time or space. It doesn't move in terms of time or space at all. It's moved in terms of this karmic intensities in the energetic field and it keeps moving to those it keeps moving back to the gridlocks the unresolved that's where it moves you can change the wallpaper the landscape you can change the actors in your movie but the movie keeps playing because the jitter hasn't got hasn't got to the end of it yet but if you do get to the end of it if it does release then anywhere you go you know, you're, you're, it's free. That's the possibility. This opening and smoothing out the energetic field. This is, you know, so once we kind of try to, even though this is somewhat mystifying, you try to translate, you know, the, the, the incredibly diverse world of phenomena to actually what happens in terms of chitta, then it becomes much simpler. Here's the fear place, here's the busy place, here's the can't do place, here's the being pushed around place, here's the having to take care of what I don't want to deal with place. And all these you know, little stuck places that you, you can navigate through. We call the, these are the kind of gridlock places on the web. There we are again <coughs> in one of these. 
been here before quite a few times. Okay, this time instead of getting, you know, tetchy and nasty and grumpy and fed up about it all, and why me? Why do I have to do why me, 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 me? Poor me. Just. Feel the emotion, whining. This is the basis of these boundless qualities. Comes, arises. Sympathetic. So we talk about qualities of goodwill and compassion, even though it's you know it's translated to others as to myself. It's not quite really quite correct. It just means this arises in the causal field. Yeah. What I mean, the causal field. I mean the the this energetic field from which these phenomena of people, events, places manifest. So this energetic field, it presents these. It, it, it manifests in terms of shapes and colours and thoughts and memories yeah, and sensations. So as it presents itself. Now, anywhere that presentation is experienced with rancour, distress, grief, hostility, fear, bitterness, that's the place... Yeah, where we, the, these qualities have to be suffused. That's a complicated way of saying it, but if what arises is, you know, I'm, you know, my anger, then I deal with it there. If it's her anger, I deal with it there. If it's anger in the past, I deal with it there. <laughs> you know, because actually these places are just notional. What we're experiencing is the phenomenon called anger. Hers, yours, mine, anybody's, past, present, whatever. We recognize the energy and something that potentizes around that, either with fear or something like that. It's just compassion, goodwill and so forth. The fear energy where everything contracts. I'm about to be overwhelmed. I'm about to be overwhelmed. I feel threatened. I feel suffocated. I feel pushed around. I feel contracted. Now, whether wherever that is experienced, in whatever basis, this is where we just start to you know, move against that contraction, feeling in the body, moving against it. It could be in the past. We call it the past. It could be around somebody else. You, know, you can feel her, what seems to be her fear. And you feel that shudder of sympathy. Or it could be apparently in yourself, you feel that, I don't know how I can manage this, I'm feeling overwhelmed. So wherever, really, you detect qualities, and qualities are met by qualities. So this is another translation, instead of you, me, it, that, you say qualities are met by qualities. And so you begin to translate your experience into the quality of, you know, agitation, fear, rather than my, me getting annoyed. This is the quality of that. It's very helpful to re-translate all this experience away from the, you know, world of self and other time and place. If you if you stick on to any 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 phenomenon in terms of self, other, future or past, don't wait long, but you the suffering will come. (laughs) 
the future isn't here yet and I want it to happen, or it's, it's rushing towards me and I want it to slow down, or it's not going the direction I want it to, I'd like to change it. Yeah, that's the future. The past is either hounding me, you know, with terrible regrets and guilt, or moving away from me with nostalgia, wish I could go back there again, or me muddling around in the past trying to figure out what's all that about then? What's her name anyway? I don't know. Why do we do that? So whenever any of these nodalities of time occur, you can begin to sense the contractions arise. And you recognize, where is this? So the causal field. Now, a simple example of that, okay, so here we are, Dhammagiri, and if you look around, there's, where are we? We're in the middle of space, aren't we? Horizon to each side, horizon behind us, we're in the middle of it, right? of a spatial domain. Okay, you walk five miles, you'll still be in the middle of it, right? You get on a plane, go a thousand miles, you'll still be in the middle of space in front of you, space behind you, space each side of you, horizons. Right? That's, the co- that's the causal field of space. Right? Now, has that space, <laughs> why is it caused? Because, <laughs> because we have visual consciousness that can see things in terms of space. Now, you may think, well, you know, the earth was created, that's how it arose, but you could say that, but you don't see the earth, you just see space in front of you. Space to each side of you, space behind you. So you say the origin of space is in the eyes and the mind, the way the mind interprets visual phenomena. Isn't that right? Here you are sitting six feet away from me, two feet away from me, one foot away from me. (laughs) Is that so? Or is it just a visual phenomenon that's arising in my eyes that I'm interpreting? Yes. If you notice that, the, the sense of space arises because of a mental interpretation of visual phenomena. Actually, the eye itself doesn't see space. It sees colours and shape. And the mind says, oh, that's... Two, two feet away, and that's ten feet away, and that's, a th- that's five miles away, and after that's blurry. So the origin of space is in the mind. And it causes that. That sense of space is conditioned by the mind. No mind, no space. Of course, because we have a mind, we don't know what that's like. Except when you close your eyes, now we still imagine a space around us. So the mind is still operating in terms of that, there's something around a me. I'm in the middle of that space. The, the middling to it. And space extends around me. Now if that sense of the me becomes softer, less intense, less determined to find something, make something, do something, arrive somewhere, less concerned about what's around me, 
less on guard against it, less bothered by it, less disturbed by it. And the space, the me sense begins to melt. Sense of space becomes indeterminate. It becomes soft and indeterminate. The center becomes indeterminate. The sense of space becomes indeterminate. And the disturbance is lessened. Now, although the the external senses receive the disturbance from sights and sounds and touches and so forth, the disturbance we could deal with is the mental disturbance, which is caused by something called um, interpretation or designation, contact. And this designation contact says, well, I'm here, there's a thought there. Thought's coming at me. Stop it, thought. I want, I want to be separate from you. Uh, nice idea. I want you to come here. Come into me. Pleasant feeling. Come this way. Here I am looking for you. Painful feeling. Get away from me. Right? <laughs> so, by designating a self separate from, or trying to separate from these experiences, there is disturbance, but if there's just awareness of moods and feelings arising and passing, then disturbance lessens, diminishes. Because there's no be to be disturbed. Thoughts move, emotions move. We look in terms of space and we feel we're in the middle of a space, but actually there's a space. We also look at the, consider the world of time. If you recognize it, you're always in the middle of your life, aren't you? There's a future ahead of you and a past behind you and you're in the middle of it. So right now you can imagine the future and the past and you're right in the middle of your life. Ten years time, if you're still alive, you'll still be in the middle of your life. Five years ago, you were in the middle of your life. Funny, isn't it? You never change. You've always been in the middle of it. <laughs> How is that? You know, you're on your deathbed and you're still in the middle of it. <laughs> you're in the middle of all these strange feelings that are coming in. You're always in the middle of it. So, how real is time? How real is space? Since they don't seem to change. They're, they're aspects of the causal field. And along with that aspects of the causal field arise, there will be a sense of longing and loss and separation and craving. How do you get How does the causal field, how do you escape from the causal field by opening letting go of the center and there are just causes and effects and there's nobody in the middle of it there's awareness there's receptivity and instead of that receptivity constantly activating confabulating mulling, agreeing, disagreeing, conflicting, if all that ceases, 
the centre of the field is empty. In the emptiness of the centre of the field, there's a release. Takes a bit of doing. But at least you know what to do. And uh, this sounds very intellectual, but it's not it's intellectually explained. But it's more an emotional experience. <coughs> because in the center of my life, I can feel all kinds of really lovely things in the future. So there's a certain, oh, in the center of this space, look at the beautiful thing, oh, a mountain, really nice day, let's climb the mountain, that's great, can't see anything wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with it at all. I'm not saying it isn't, just notice that pour into space, the passion in that space to, to move forward. Notice the passion to move forward to the future. You know, I've get you know, been sitting still for five days, my knees are getting tight. Just to go and swim in a lake somewhere would be great. It would be. For a while. <laughs> <laughs> it would be for a while, and then of course it wouldn't be. <laughs> and so on. And the future could be wonderful or of course be dreadful. Notice whatever pleasant or pain, the passion for it, the urge for it. In the future I can finally sort all those things out. Just a little more tidying up and I'll get it all sorted out. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> a little more work is needed and I'll get it all tidied up. Oh yes, I'll write my masterpiece. Uh, Finish the last thing I want to do and sit and be happy. <laughs> oh yes, I've been doing that for years, tidying up. Funny that. The passion for conclusions, the passion for completion, the passion for that. I say, well, this, all the topics are reasonable. Perhaps some of them are a little bit unreasonable. Fantasies. No. So we're not really, and of course you can do that, and you may arrive at temporary stations on the network. Some stations on the network are better than others, for sure. But still, it's a station on the network, you haven't left the network. And in that station, sooner or later, they'll be subject to change and inconstancy and inadequacy and discontent, I'm afraid so. But there is a, a leaving of the network, and this is, this is done through dispassion. There, things will continue to change, probably some agreeable, probably some disagreeable, probably some rather grateful for, thank you very much, some I feel a little bit misunderstood about. Why didn't they get back? Some will feel really contented with some of them. No, it didn't work out well at all. Yeah. You know, that's yes, in line, those are the kind of things that are going to happen. That's the future. How much passion is there for that? More of the same. Success and failure, more of the same. Praise and blame, more of the same. Gaining and losing, more of the same. 
How much passion is there left for that? So with the subsiding of passion, (laughs) with the subsiding of passion, the destruction of craving, the ceasing of going on, Nibbana, the leaving of the causal field or the opening out from the causal field, it's like that. This is the work of wisdom. And uh, it's a profound work, and it's also a work that, uh, as far as I can tell you from my own experience, is work that does require patience, maturity, integrity, honesty, forgiveness, support, perseverance. Because this maturity cannot happen in a moment. We just have to encourage ourselves to stay with the process of learning, of beginning to really, the heart to really understand these on an emotional level, uh, what this passion is about, not as a negative experience, but as a beautiful openness to life that doesn't push forward and doesn't pull back. It doesn't negate, it doesn't adopt, it remains open. We let phenomena pass through. We abide with circumstances, but we don't grab any of them. It takes some practice. So is your direct practice today, or forever? <laughs> I may never see you again, some of you perhaps. <laughs> That's the way it is, isn't it? So we, we have spent some time together, and uh, it's been this occasion, you know, encouragement, you know, well-wishing. Yeah. And so, you know, just see what you need. You need some more firming up, some more steadying, some more soothing. This process of soothing and steadying the causal fields is called jhana, and uh, you can cultivate that, uh, steadying and soothing. Also, another very, very beautiful Dhamma door is this Brahma Vihara, because these again have the same sort of effect as jhana. Uh, they, are called, they are called doors to the deathless, because they help to release the contractions of the heart. So you're working on the heart field, which tends to contract into fear, ill will, grudges, resentment, yeah. uh, distress, feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And so that widening of the heart field is also a door to the deathless, because in that we begin to let go of the tribunals and the me and the why should it and how dare they and why am I never, <laughs> you know, and the, the self-criticism. So the release, this soothing, this opening of the, of the causal field, the steadying the causal field, can be generated through these Brahmaviharas. And these are said to be doors to the deathless. But then the release, the moving through, is the emptying of the center, the me, the passion for it, passion to belong to it and hold it. 
So in your practice today, I mean, uh, cultivate. Uh, um, you know, clearly, many of you, I imagine all of us suffer from physical pain and uh, just sitting still a long time is uncomfortable. Do some walking, reclining, uh, moving around. Try to do what you can with the noble silence. <laughs> yes, as speechless as possible. <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't work. <laughs> but really, you know, the clear you can get to that, that emotional bounce, you know, uh, to that emotional bounce. Get closer to that. And say, you know, if you're interested, happy to see someone, great. Just, just hold it and feel it move through your body. That's beautiful. Steadying it. And work upon the sense of, uh, you know, who is whole, who is here, who is with all this. Okay, let's do some practice together.